You may be seated. And uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time. And I want to talk to you about that subject, devils in the synagogue. Devils in the synagogue. Let's pray tonight. Father, we love you. And thank you for being so good to us. It's been another wonderful day at Calvary. And we just appreciate your blessings. And God, we thank you for the great spirit. There's been a wonderful spirit here all day today. And a spirit of fellowship, spirit of worship. And God, we just appreciate that. A family spirit. We just thank you for that. Lord, I, we, we've tried to worship you in spirit, and now I pray that you'll help us as we try to worship you in truth for a few moments. Lord, I, I pray that you'd knit our hearts together now, and I pray that you would captivate our minds, and I pray just for a little while we'd get our minds off of other things, and I pray that we would focus our attention on God's precious word tonight. Lord, we ask you to help us. Lord, this is that place where the arm of flesh will fail you every time. And so, Lord, I'll go ahead and just acknowledge it, that if I don't have your help, this is probably going to be a flop. God, we pray somehow, though, that your Holy Spirit would fill us. And I pray that you'd use us to say something that would honor you and glorify you and that would edify some of the most wonderful people in the world of the Calvary Baptist Church of Union Grove. We pray for your touch, Lord, the best we know how. We plead the blood of Jesus over the service. We ask you to work, Lord. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And for his sake and all God's people said, amen. So I have a question as I start out tonight. And the question is this. What in the world is a demon-possessed man doing in the synagogue? I read that the other day, and man, that just sort of leapt off the page at me. And, I, and, and that was my question. I thought, what in the world is a man that's possessed with a devil, what is he doing in the synagogue? The synagogue? I mean, a saloon? Maybe. A house of prostitution? I could understand that. Maybe the dark corners of a street, that would seem sort of likely. Maybe even the tombs. It seems we read about another man in the Bible that was a demoniac. The Bible says he wore no clothes and lived in the tombs and the cemetery. And, and so if the Bible told us here in Luke chapter 4 that this man was living in the cemetery, I could see that. But not the synagogue. What in the world is a demon-possessed man that is possessed with an unclean spirit doing in the synagogue. Now you say, preacher, synagogue. What, what is a synagogue? Well, a synagogue, back in that day and time, still to this day, I guess, synagogues are what they would call consecrated spaces. The synagogue would be the to-go place for the Jews after the destruction of the temple. It was that place that was uh, that was consecrated as a house of worship. It was that place that was used exclusively for prayer. It was that place that the Hebrew people would go to, to study the Scriptures and to assemble, much like we do. It would, have been, uh, it would have been a version of the church back in that day and time. And, uh, and so, again, I go back to that question. So if that be the case, if this is a place of worship, a place of prayer, a place of Bible study, and it was a consecrated place, and it was, then what in the world is a demon-possessed man doing in the synagogue? 
Well, I want to give you tonight, if I could, several ways that we can look at this. Why were there devils in the synagogue? Well, how about this? Number one, I wrote this down. It's possible that this troubled man, first of all, was there for help. What's he doing there? What's a a demon-possessed guy doing at the church or the synagogue back in this day? And it dawned on me. It could be that this troubled man was there for help. Maybe he had tried every other place. Maybe he had been to other places for help. But it just seemed like, you know what, everywhere he went, nobody lended a helping hand. Nobody really cared. Nobody showed any compassion And it could be that, you know what, he finally made his way. He had heard that this place was called the house of God. This place was a place where where, uh, they studied and prayed and worshiped. and, And maybe he thought, you know what, maybe this is the place that I need to go. You know, oftentimes the church is the last chance. It is the place where people go, you know what, it's their last, it's their last straw. It's, it's, you know what, maybe they're at the, maybe they're at the bottom. Maybe they uh, have even contemplated giving up life. And sometimes, and, I, and it's a shame that this is like this, but sometimes the church is the last thought. Sometimes the church is the last stand. Sometimes the church is the last place people go. But may I say, it is the place where life begins to turn around. And, and, and Calvary, can I just say this as, as your pastor tonight? May this be the way that we look at everyone who walks through our doors. That you know what? The reason they've come is they've come for help. I thought about, I thought about Ronald Deans. I won't go into all the story. You've heard the story. Most of you have heard the story. But I thought about Ronald Deans. For Ronald Deans, Calvary Baptist Church was his last hope. It really was. He was the town drunk, the community drunk. I'll never forget the first time I, I ever met Ronald Deans. Man, I was brand new here to the church, brand new at pastoring. And, and Brother Lyndon Turner and I went out and did a, little, uh, did a little visiting, and we were down here on Mitch Road. I'll never forget down here on Mitch Road, Dirt Road. And, uh, and I, ran into, uh, I ran into Ronald Deans for the first time. And I remember Ronald was, was leaned up against the wall. And, uh, and one of the things that stood out to me that night was uh, but that, that Ronald's eyes there were hardly any white at all in Ronald's eyes. His eyes were just blood red. And of course, Ronald was a terrible drinker. He was an alcoholic. The community knew it. And anytime pretty much you saw Ronald Deans, Ronald Deans was always drunk. He was always using alcohol. And then one Sunday morning down here at the old building, Ronald Deans walked in the back door. And, and uh, you know what? Most of the people at Calvary, if not all the people at Calvary, knew exactly who he was. And Ronald walked in, and we wondered, what's Ronald doing here? Uh, Ronald's an alcoholic. Ronald is the community drunk. What's Ronald doing here? And somebody thought, well, you know what? Ronald's probably down on his luck, doesn't have anything to eat, needs some groceries, needs a handout. And so we had the service that day, and you know what? Ronald never asked for help. Ronald never asked for any money. But we preached that Sunday morning, and Ronald stepped out out of the pew and walked the aisle that morning, and Came forward. I'll never forget meeting him right down here in the front of the old building. And I said, hello, Ronald. It's great to see you. I said, what can we do for you? And he said, preacher, I need to get saved. And I said, well, praise God, Ronald. That's great. And I had one of our men come forward, and they took Ronald over into a side, side room and came out a little bit later. And I said, what happened? They said, preacher, he got saved. I said, wow, praise God. 
I had Ronald Deans stand up beside me in front of the congregation that day, and I said, hey, Calvary, we got some great news. Ronald just gave his heart to Jesus. And, man, we rejoiced. But I'll be honest with you, everybody wondered if it was really, if it was really genuine. Until Sunday night. And Sunday night service rolled around. Ronald didn't have a car. He only had one set of clothes. He had a pair of old blue dicky pants and a, a blue work shirt. That's what he wore all the time, every day. That's what he wore. He didn't have a lot of people around him. He had a little dog that was faithful to him. And he rode a bicycle pretty much everywhere he went. And that Sunday night, Ronald Deans rode his bicycle down the road and pulled in our parking lot. And Ronald Deans walked into the house of God. By the way, that next Wednesday, guess what happened? Ronald Deans, his bicycle pulled in the parking lot. And Ronald Deans came into the church. After that, he started trying to tuck his shirt tail in. Ronald found him a Bible. And he started bringing a Bible to church. And uh, little by little by little, we begin to see Ronald's life take on change. And, and you say, preacher, what happened? I'll tell you exactly what happened. Ronald Deans got born again by the grace that Hannah sang about tonight. And you say, preacher, how do you know? I told you because I visited his, his drunkard friends after Ronald passed away. And they said, preacher, is it true? Is it true? Is it true? We heard that Ronald got religion. I said, Ronald didn't get religion. Ronald got a relationship. He got a relationship with Jesus Christ, and it totally changed his life. By the way, now, it wasn't long after that that God, I believe in his mercy, that God took Ronald to heaven, and I believe he's in heaven today, and I believe we'll see him one day. And if you can see through heaven, I believe tonight he's saying, preacher, preach it, preach it, amen. I talk about Jesus, tell him how good he is. And I want to tell you what, for Ronald Dean, the church was his last hope. The church was his last prayer. And when Ronald Deans walked in the door, he came seeking some help. It's exactly why at Calvary, everyone's welcome. I don't know how other churches do it, and I don't care how other churches do it. This is not the Union Grove Country Club. This is not the social club. I don't know anything about the Ruritans tonight. They're probably a very good organization. But this is not the Ruritans. This is not the Moose Lodge. This is not the JCs. This is a local New Testament church that is founded upon Jesus Christ, that is founded upon this book right here. And we believe this. We believe that if Jesus Christ were here tonight pastoring this church, that every single person would be welcome, red, yellow, black, and white. They are precious in his sight. By the way, Calvary, when, you know what? When people walk in these doors, they ought to feel welcome every time they come in. Oh, you say, preacher, they're Hispanic. Well, praise God, welcome to the house of God. Well, you say, preacher, they're black. Well, hallelujah, welcome to the house of God. Well, you say, pastor, they're poor. Well, thank the Lord God saves poor people. Well, you say, pastor, they're rich. Well, thank God God saves rich people. I'm just saying this, that everybody ought to be welcome at Calvary Baptist Church. And it could be when they come in here that they're looking for some help. It's why. By the grace of God at Calvary Baptist Church, it's why we will not, as long as I'm the pastor here, we will not fuss over trivial things. We will not, by the grace of God, make much of things that have no eternal value. And so it'd be like, it'd be like me going out tonight and, 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 and getting some kind of a mortal wound. I mean, a life-threatening wound. I get, an artery gets cut. 
I'm bleeding profusely. My wife drives like mad to the emergency room. She pulls right up in the front of the door and she says, y'all have got to help my husband. He's bleeding to death. Man, they, they, they wheel me back into the emergency room and then a doctor and several nurses begin to, they begin to fuss over what brand of gauze we're going to use. Or they begin to take a vote and say, let's take a vote. Should it be sutures? Or should it be clamps? Or should it be tape? You know what I want to say? Who cares? I'm bleeding to death. Just save, amen, amen, brother. Just save my life. I don't care what you use. I don't care if you sew me up. I don't care if you staple me up. I don't care what kind of goals you use. I don't care what kind of alcohol you use. Brother, just save my life. And at Calvary Baptist Church, we will not, by the grace of God, we will not fuss over things that do not matter. Some of you have heard this. You'd be amazed. You'd be amazed at the silly things that are splitting churches nowadays. It's absolutely berserk. It's, it's, it's out of hand. In fact, sometime back, there was a Twitter survey done, and, they, and this was the question they asked. They asked, what things were causing problems in your church? When they posed that question, man, the answers begin to fly in. These are just the top 25. These are the top 25 answers. What things are bothering your church, troubling your church? And these were the top 25 things that churches are fussing over. Everybody ready? You might want to shelter your children's ears. Number one was this. There was a church dispute of whether or not to install restroom stall dividers in the women's restroom. You know, you know, you know what I'm thinking right there? I'm thinking, man, that's just weird, brother. I mean, you know, that's just weird. Is anybody else with me on that? I mean, that's just weird. Now, I'm just telling you, when I go in a restroom, I like a divider. Is that right? Am I just weird or what? I'm just telling you, why, why would that be something that we would fuss over and fight over in a local church? Let's go on. A church argument to vote to decide if a clock in the worship center should be removed. A 45-minute heated argument over the type of filing cabinet the church was going to purchase. Black, brown, or should it be two, three, or four drawers? This one said they had a fight over. <laughs> you got to love this, man. I mean, honestly, it's like, can this even be true? This church had a fight over which picture of Jesus to put in the foyer. And I want to say, you can put any picture you want because he ain't there. A petition to have all the church staff clean shaven. A dispute over whether the... <laughs> where are you at, Brandon? <laughs> a, a dispute over whether the worship leader should have his shoes on during the service. Have you got your shoes on right now, brother? <laughs> this 
Jerusalem's had a big church argument over the discovery that the church budget was off 10 cents. A dispute in the church because the Lord's Supper had cran grape juice instead of grape juice. A business meeting argument, arguments about whether the church should purchase a weed eater or not. It took two business meetings to resolve. Another church said they had an argument over what type of green beans the church should serve. (laughs) I'm not making this stuff up, church. Two different churches, two different churches, and this is relevant. Y'all listen up what I'm about to tell you. Two different churches reported fights over the type of coffee. In one of the churches, they moved from Folgers to a stronger Starbucks brand. In the other church, they simply moved to a stronger blend. Members left the church in the latter example. A major conflict when the youth borrowed a crock pot that had been used for years. You're going to love this one. Y'all ready? An argument on whether the church should allow deviled eggs at the meal. (laughs) And a disagreement over using the term potluck instead of pot blessing. Now I'm I'm just trying to make a point tonight. You know what that is? That's foolishness. And I'm trying, I I want to stay in the spirit. I don't want to get in the flesh right now. But when I hear that kind of stuff, boy, I'm tempted to get in the flesh. Because I'm telling you, church, those kind of things ought never come up in a church. That's foolishness. That's silly. That's petty. I'm saying it's petty. You say, preacher, don't seem very petty to me. Well, you know what? In my opinion, you're pretty petty tonight myself. I'm telling you, brother, that's just foolishness for a local New Testament church to fuss over things that don't matter. What's that got to do with heaven? What's that got to do with hell? What's that got to do with eternity? Let me, let me tell you something, Calvary Baptist Church. There is a hell tonight, and there are more important things to fight about than toilet paper in a restroom. It is a shame, it is a shame in the sight of God when person after person after person walked into a house of God somewhere across America today and it was their last chance, it was their last stand. All they knew was they needed some help. All they knew is they were going down for the last time and they walked into a church and the Spirit of God wasn't there and nobody got any help and the preaching wasn't powerful and there wasn't a spirit of camaraderie there all because folks are fussing and fighting and fuming. I'm telling you, church, get over yourself tonight. I'm gonna tell you what, he's worthy of praise. He's worthy of glory. Oh, listen to me. We've got to understand that when people walk in these doors, they've come here for help. They've come here for help. It's very possible that this demon-possessed man was here for help. Quickly. It's very possible this, this troubled man was there because of history. What do you mean, preacher? You know, I thought about I thought about maybe, maybe this synagogue in Capernaum had a reputation of helping people. Maybe that's why he was there. Maybe because, maybe because he heard, brother, you need some help. You know, where I'd, you know where I'd go? I'd go down to that synagogue in Capernaum. They've got a reputation. They love people down there. And it doesn't matter who you are. 
And it doesn't matter what your social status is. And it doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. And it doesn't matter how rich or how poor you are. You know what? They just love folks down there at that, at that synagogue. And uh, you know what? Maybe if there was a history. Maybe there was a reputation of helping hurting people and helping uh, and loving uh, those folks that needed help. And may Calvary Baptist Church in Union Grove always have a reputation and a history like that until the Lord comes again. It's been several years ago now, down here at the old building, one Sunday morning we had a, 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 a tall drink of water walked in the church. We didn't know who he was. Probably 20, 25 maybe, maybe 25, something, something like that. Big old guy. And I saw him come in. I knew who he was. And he came in and, and sat in the service and enjoyed the service. And, and anyway, we had a good service that day and I preached. And after I got done preaching, he walked the aisle. And one of our, our men dealt with him and led him, to, led him to Christ. After the service, I began to hear the story. His name was Dakota. Dakota. Many, many years ago, Dakota ran, ran a, 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 rode a van to church. He lived uh, way down here at Myers, uh, at uh, Myers, is it Myers Mill? Is that right? Myers Mill down here, the, the road. And uh, anyway, he lived, he lived down in that area. And he was just a little thing, just a little thing. And he rode one of our vans and he came for a while. But then his family, you know, his family, troubled family, his family moved far away. And Dakota was gone. He was gone for, I guess, over 20 years. And so uh, anyway, he came back into town. He came to Calvary and he got saved. And he told our personal worker this. He said, when I came back to Statesville, he said, I knew if there was anywhere I could come to hear how to get saved and hear how to go to heaven, he said, I knew I could hear it at Calvary Baptist Church. And he came to Calvary and was gloriously born again. Hey, Calvary, may that be our reputation. May that be our history. May we be known as a soul-saving station. May we be known as a place where people can bring their lost loved ones and, and they're not going to hear about politics and they're not going to hear about pandemics and they're not going to hear about all the problems and all, all those kind of things, but may they know they can come here and hear the greatest story that they've ever heard that Jesus saves, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. And thank God he does save tonight. Maybe this demon-possessed man came for help. It's possible that this troubled man came because of some history. And then I thought about this. It's very possible this troubled man was there because of a hero. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean somebody simply cared enough to invite him to come. I've got to believe that probably, that's probably what happened. Somebody probably knew this man was struggling. You know what? It's probably not hard to tell. This guy's struggling, demon-possessed. His life's a shambles. And I just have to believe in my spirit that there was somebody in Capernaum that said, hey, bro, I know what you need. Why don't you come on and go with me to the, to the synagogue? Why don't you go down here to the synagogue in Capernaum? Somebody probably knew this was his last hope. Maybe, maybe everyone else had given up on this person, but not this hero. Not this person. This person stayed with him. This person, if it was nowadays, would keep sending him texts and say, man, why don't you try the synagogue? This person kept calling on the phone and said, man, why don't you try the synagogue? Now, this person kept sending emails and said, man, why don't you try the synagogue? 
This person would come by his house from time to time and knock on the door and say, hey man, you're a mess. Why don't you try the synagogue? Why don't you try Jesus? Why don't you try God? Why don't don't you come to the synagogue? Jude chapter 1 and verse number 22, the Bible says, and if some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. I want to ask you a question. Who is it tonight that you need to be a hero to? Who is it tonight that you know that's hurting? Who is it tonight that you know that's struggling? Who is it tonight that you know that's addicted to drugs or some kind of a narcotic or alcohol or pornography or gambling or they've got a stronghold in their life and their life is falling apart. Their marriage is having problems. Their family is about about to fall apart. Who is it tonight that you need to be a hero to and go to them and say, man, why don't you come to Calvary? Why don't you try Jesus? Why don't you give your heart to Christ? How you say, preacher, you say, preacher, if I invite them, they probably won't come. Maybe not, but maybe they will. You know, sometimes a simple, simple invitation can have a major impact. 79% of people that come to church come as a result of a personal invitation. I wonder who it is tonight that's just waiting on you to be their hero. And just come by and say, won't you come to Calvary? I'll sit with you. You can sit with me. Well, I know, but I went to this church the other day and I sat in somebody's seat and they made me get up. Well, you can tell them about our history and say, brother, you don't have to worry about that at Calvary Baptist Church. And well, I went to this church the other day and they were fussing about, you know, about coffee makers and crock pots and, uh, and, uh, and you know what? You can say, listen, maybe they're doing about that, doing like that at other churches, but not at Calvary Baptist Church. Who is it tonight that you need to be a hero to? It was just a simple night on visitation. I can still remember it well. It's a trailer park in Union Grove, maybe Harmony, probably Harmony. And we were just out visiting one night, and I went by and knocked on the door. A lady with red hair came to the door, and we struck up a conversation. And uh, I said, we'd love to have you come to Calvary. You know what? Sure enough, she came. Her name was Sheila. And uh, Sheila began to come to our church. She was lost. I'll never forget that night we were having Bible school. Some of you Bible school workers were here. You were here that night. And back in that day and time when we had an invitation, we would actually invite the children to get up and come, come forward. And we would send them out with personal workers and then the Bible got, got so big, we just we couldn't do that anymore. But we would say, if you want to be saved, I want you to leave your seat and come right now. And that night, with all those little kids, we watched Sheila stand up. And she walked the aisle with all those little kids. And she got born again. It was just years after that that cancer came and, and, and took her life. And you know what? Sheila's in heaven tonight. You know why? Personal invitation. Just a simple invitation. I was thinking about, um, it was just a simple Saturday visitation. I don't know, it was probably two or three o'clock in the afternoon. I went by home in Statesville and knocked on the door. Ken came to the door. And I said, hello, sir, how are you doing? My name is Steve Pope. I'm the pastor of the Calvary Baptist Church. We had a great conversation. I said, man, we would, we, would, we would love for y'all to come to church. And he said, well, you know, pastor, he said, 
We used to be in church. We used to be in church solid and strong, but he said, we just, we got out. And he said, I know we need to get back in. And I said, well, I said, why don't you come? And he said, well, I'll tell you what I will do. He said, I'll let my boys come tomorrow. I said, oh, that'd be great. We went by that next day and we picked up John and Jacob for church. They came to Calvary Baptist Church for the first time. It wasn't long after that that Jacob, Scott, received Christ as his personal Savior. And tonight, probably about the same time I'm preaching, Brother Jacob's over here in Harmony, North Carolina, and he's just preaching. He's just preaching up a storm. If he's not inside, he's out on a trailer probably somewhere and just preaching, preaching, preaching. Lives are being changed. You say, preacher, what happened? Just a simple invitation. Who is it tonight that you need to invite? Who is it tonight that you need to reach out to? Who is it tonight that's struggling? Who is it tonight that needs Jesus? Who is it tonight that's lost and undone? And Well, you say, preacher, uh, one of these days I'm going to do it. One of these days may never come. Cancer may come. Alzheimer's may come. Uh, You know what? COVID-19 may come. And what we better do is we better extend an invitation while while we can. It's possible. This troubled man was there for help. I really believe that. It's possible that he was there because of some history or reputation. It's possible because he was there because of a hero. But I want to close by this. But I want all of our church to really give me your undivided attention. We're done. There is another point, though. There is another way to look at this story. It could be that this troubled man was there to hinder the work. It's very possible. What do you mean, preacher? I'm talking about to cause trouble to stir something up. You you, got to ask yourself a question. What is a devil doing in the synagogue? How many know know this? Devils probably don't like to hang out at a a Christ-honoring place. You know what I'm talking about? What is a devil doing in a synagogue? Now, we're done, Calvary, but I want you to hear me out. We're fooling ourselves tonight if we believe that everybody is going to be excited about what's going on at a Bible-believing Baptist church. You you understand tonight? I know you do. Boy, God's blessing. Man, the blessing of God is on Calvary. But don't be surprised if the devil plants some people right here. They're not here for help. They're not here because of history. And they're not here because of a hero. They came for one reason and one reason only. Satan sent them here to hinder the work of God. Listen to what the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 16, verse number 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. Avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good works and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Let me tell you something, Calvary. We're getting ready to pray, but let me tell you something. Don't don't turn me off. Don't turn me off. It's so important. Just because they got a silver tongue doesn't mean they got a clean heart. And you know what? Don't be surprised if the devil sends somebody our way and they've come for this reason, to try to hinder the work of God. 
Three statements. Number one, pray for divine protection for your church and your church family. Luke twenty two thirty one. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Hey, pray, 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 and then pray some more. You say, preacher, I don't know what, what to pray for. Pray for your preacher. Pray for your preacher's wife. Pray for your deacons. Pray for the Sunday school teachers. Pray for the ushers. Pray for the sound men, the video men. Man, pray for uh, every aspect of the men. Amen, amen, pray. I mean, pray, pray, pray. And pray that God will just put a hedge of protection all around this work. Why? Because the devil would love to tear it down. Pray for divine protection. Number two, ponder on the positives of your church. He said, well, I came here the other day, preacher, and I found something negative. Well, that's not a newsflash. If you're looking for something negative, hang around. You're going to find something. Just in case you're wondering, this is not a perfect church. And this is dead sure not a perfect pastor tonight. We're going to make some mistakes. I'm going to make some mistakes. My wife's going to make some mistakes. And so somebody comes in and all they want to do is just yah, 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 yah about the, about the negatives, about the negatives, about the negatives. Why don't you just tell them, uh, for the cause of Christ, shut up. You say, that's not very spiritual. I didn't mean it to be very spiritual. But sometimes I, I, and I don't say that, but sometimes I just, sometimes I just want to say, man, why don't you just hush? If you haven't got something good to say, don't say anything at all. Man, it is a shame when there are 10 million positive things going on around a church like this and we focus on two negatives. What in the world is wrong with us today? And what's wrong with churches in America? Ponder on the positives of your church. And then last of all is this, pass over the critics and the gossips. Don't give any attention to those who do nothing but criticize and tear down. Let me tell you something, church. Let me help you tonight. Anybody can criticize. Anybody can criticize. I don't know if we, we, I don't know if we got any mechanics in here tonight. Mechanics. I know we got some shade, shade tree mechanics. And some of you is pretty good. Anybody can go out here in one of these cars and, and pop the hood and just go and start jerking wires out. Anybody can do that. I can do that. But it takes somebody who knows what they're doing to, to, to get in that motor when it's got problems and start fixing and tweaking and fine-tuning that thing. Anybody can come to a church like this and start yanking wires. You hear what that preacher said? Yeah. But he's been there 29 years. I think I want to give him a little bit of grace. I'm not even saying I agree with it, but good night, man. Give the guy a break. Did you hear that pianist or that organist? They hit the wrong key. Do I need to say anything else? You want to try it? Listen, for those folks who criticize and, and just come in and gossip, whatever you do, don't you give them a hearing. Don't you give them a crowd. Man, you just, you know what, avoid. You just avoid people like that. 
The spirit-filled child of God is equipped to build up. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. We are here tonight to build up the family of God and encourage one another. And we're all imperfect. We're all sinners saved by grace. Every one of us are. Man, if we got what we deserve, we'd be in hell tonight. But thank God we didn't get what we deserve. Thank God we got mercy. Thank God we got grace. Amen. And, and, and church, listen, let's just keep our eyes on Jesus until he comes. And just decide that, you know what, man, we're going to be thankful for the blessings of God and thankful for our church and thankful for our church family. And, uh, man, let's just focus. Let's focus on the positives. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you so much for this time we've had together tonight. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing at Calvary Baptist Church. Lord, it really is miraculous. And God, we give you praise and we give you glory. Father, here's my prayer. I pray that you'll keep this work strong, strong until the trumpet sounds. God, I pray that you keep us in the way. I pray that we really would be a soul-saving station. I pray until the trumpet sounds, this church will always be a place where the gospel is being proclaimed and preached. And God, where we're building one another up and where we're loving the sinner. Lord, everybody that walks through these doors, may they receive a hearty welcome to the Calvary Baptist Church of Union Grove. It could be they're looking for help. Father, I don't know that there's a hook in this message, but I do pray this. Maybe it's just preventive maintenance tonight. God, keep us in the way. I pray that you'll bless in the invitation tonight. Lord, do that what you need to do. Speak to hearts. And we just thank you for allowing us to be a part of something like this. We are blessed beyond measure. Thanks for being so good, Lord. In Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let's stand tonight, if you would, please. Heads bowed, eyes closed. And uh, the altars are open. Calvary, if you need to use the altar tonight, listen, just come on tonight. If you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I need to be saved. I need to be, I need to know for sure I'm going to heaven. Why don't right now you just slip out wherever you are, just slip out and make your way down here to the front, okay? And we would like to take the Bible and show you how you can know Christ as personal Savior. If you're here tonight, you say, Pastor, I am saved, but I, I really need to rededicate my life to Jesus. Why don't you come tonight? Why don't you come? Pastor, I'm saved, but I've never followed the Lord in believer's baptism. Listen, come on tonight. Make yourself a candidate for baptism. We're going to baptize very, very soon. Whatever it may be, you come tonight, all right? While we wait, we'll pause just for a moment. You come tonight.